It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 622 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I am honored to be joined on the show today by my guest. Joining me on the show is Derek Wasinski. Now, at the time we recorded this conversation with Derek, he was the chief sales hacker at Zenebit, and he has since moved on. He's now a mentor at the GrowthX Academy and a founding member of the Sales Enablement Society. Now, if you run an inside sales team or you're part of an inside sales team, you're going to find this very interesting conversation because Derek and I talk about what he feels are the inherent weaknesses in the conventional SDR slash account exec sales model. And then he goes into detail about alternate sales structures and alternate sales processes that he's implemented that put the buyer front and center. It's not the process that's front and center. It's the buyer who's front and center. And in the process, creating a more positive and effective buying experience for the prospect, which should lead to a higher conversion rate. So, you know, I think it's always very important to challenge the status quo around sales processes and sales models, try new things. Derek's done that, and it's led to a very interesting conversation you'll want to stick around for. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 622. And before I talk with Derek, as always, let me remind you, if you haven't signed up yet to receive my periodic emails, then... I think you are missing out because I save some of my absolutely best advice about sales, leadership, marketing, relationship building, resilience, and character and values for my subscribers. So visit andypaul.com right now to subscribe. All right, time to listen to my conversation with Derek. Derek Wazinski, welcome to Accelerate. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It's great to be here. Well, pleasure to have you here. So, I have a standard opening question I ask my guests, and that is, in your opinion, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? The single biggest challenge facing sales reps today uh, is selling the informed customer. I think that, uh, again, when I started uh, back in the industry, when I started in B2B sales, um, the salesperson was the primary engine of information between the customer and the solution. Um, I worked for Xerox, so my customers didn't know anything about copiers before I walked in the door, and I was a copier expert. I knew speeds and feeds. I knew the way workflows were in the office. I knew everything there was to know about the technology, and I was an information resource for my clients. And because of that, and because my clients needed the ability to communicate to me, to understand, to realize, to recognize what the new technology was and why they needed it, they, that, that gave me an audience to utilize my persuasive skills to persuade them to, to my brand of copier. Um, in today's world, uh, that information, you know, since Al Gore invented the internet, there's no reason for a salesperson to be communicating knowledge that, in that way. Someone who communicates, and let's take a look, we could look at Xerox, we could look at software, we could look at hardware, um, you know, any large ticket item. Uh, the research that is being done prior to communication for the salesperson is astronomically different than it was 20 years ago. And you're dealing with a customer now that has a spreadsheet of three or four different vendors, of three or four different products, all the pluses and minuses. Maybe they've went to third-party review sites. They've taken a look at all the competitors in a space. And by the time they reach out to a salesperson or a salesperson somehow reaches out to them, they're not interested in persuasion. They're interested in proof. And I think that, uh, and I think the 
the the the biggest the biggest issue is we're still training salespeople to be persuaders and not provers, and we're training salespeople to go ahead and utilize uh, the persuasive talent versus providing uh, a proof source engine that a client can look and say, yes, your widget is superior to B widget and C widget, and this is why I'm going to go with you. Okay, so I mean, there's a lot to unpack. There is is. Um all right. <laughs> There's almost too almost too much too much back there. So, so one thing I sort of come back to is that because this conversation, you know, I do a lot of these interviews, and yeah, you know, we ask this question, and you know, people have answers somewhat similar to what you had. But one thing that that is sort of interesting is we talk about this informed customer as if this is a current phenomenon, but the fact is, it's not. Right? I mean, we're twenty years deep into the internet. Right. right now, so this isn't new. So why do you think that that everybody still talks like this is a revelation that we've got these informed customers and that salespeople are no longer the source of all information? Because, granted, I started probably before you did selling, mm-hmm. you know, mainframes and big mini computers for boroughs, right. and you know, similar training to what you had at Xerox and. You know, yeah, those were different days, right? We were the we were the fount of all information, but that's that's not being the case. Almost two decades ago. So I'm wondering why, why we still think this is this is an not why we think it's an issue. Why it is still an issue? Why why haven't we learned? Why are we you know doing things differently so it's it's not this way? Well, I think uh, listen, there's you know I think there's a lot to be said about um, the industry that has that has that has grown around around sales. Training sales, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, sales enablement. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that that you know. Again, I'm not to, I'm not here to slap the you know the food out of anybody's mouth. And there's but there's a lot of people out there that are making a lot of money. Um, you know, telling people not necessarily telling people what they want to hear, but training and providing knowledge uh, and insight. Um, that is conducive to preconceived notions. Um, and again, I can tell you by, you know, well, that's, I, <laughs> that's, that's, that's called selling people what they want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and when you sell, exactly. And when you sell people what they want, uh, when you're dealing in sale, the sales world and see, and this is the issue. So if I'm selling people what I want and I, or, or what they want, and I'm selling, uh, ERP systems, or I'm selling uh, something to the effect of maybe uh, airplane parts for Boeing or something else. You know, I'm 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 selling the customer what they want because they want a certain thing. They want the software to do this. They want because they need their end result is not sales, but in the sales enablement world, we've kind of created the snake that eats itself, where it's like we want to believe that. Hustle, hard work, grit. We make a lot of calls. We're able to go ahead and affect the, you know, the change. We can turn the person. All we need is a a meeting, and once we have the meeting, we can go ahead and convince them to go our way. That 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 belief is 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 almost sacrosanct within the sales community. At least it has been for a long period of time. And a lot of current VPs of sales and sales directors and even first-line sales managers believe that. So they those are the books they buy. Those are that's the sales training they incorporate because they want to believe that. They want to believe what they did 20 years ago can still work today. And again, this is just, you know, your mileage may vary for those people that are listening out here. But but in the world of when if you're selling to sales people, giving them what they want gives us the result that we have. And the problem is, is the people that sell to salespeople, 
those secondary customers are our customers' customers, what I call customer squared, not my customer, but the customer they're selling to are getting the short shrift because they're not interested. They're, you know, they know what they want. They need a widget. They need a thing to go ahead and help them. They need an airplane part. They need the ERP software. They're not interested in this whole sales process that we've created for ourselves. This whole, this whole kind of, uh, this whole kind of way of communicating. So, so what happens is, is the customers of our customers shut down. They don't answer the phone. They don't answer the emails. They don't. They 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 don't listen to the outreach that we've been that we've been crafting, and then it's a big surprise because everybody everybody because no one then understands why. Well, if everyone within the sales enablement space is telling us to do this, why isn't it working with these with these with these second level customers with our particular customers? And I think that's part and parcel because we've crafted the communication in sales enablement to be buy and for salespeople, which we're only part we're a very small part of the commerce you know solution within business right now. Well, but isn't <laughs> And I'm not disagreeing at all. It mm-hmm. isn't part of the issue that we have is that, at least in quote unquote modern sales uh, organizations, that that there's somewhat of a fixation on the technology to make you more effective, but the technology is all inward facing and not outward facing. Well, yes, exactly. I do. You know, I do believe there's a lot of technology out there to give you inward. Uh, information, whether you're me- whatever KPIs or metrics you're measuring within your CRM, in order to supposedly give you data, but there's very, very little information out there that actually gets salespeople in front of clients and 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 understanding what their clients want. Case in point, I have you know not a particular bone to pick, but the but the practice Go of ahead. SDR. That's a, a great place. <laughs> <for it. laughs> well, the practice of SDR, so the practice of sales development reps. Mm-hmm. I, for the life of me, who someone who truly believes that prospecting is the most important part of the sales process, yes. I have no idea why many organizations outsource that most important part of the of the relationship to your least experienced representative, to the person that knows the least about the industry, the least about the solution, the least about the, the of, of the competitive landscape. If if I were designing a sales pro, which I have for Zinbit, but what if I've designed a sales process from uh, from scratch? My most influential, my most insightful, my most senior people would be my outreach people, and I would ha- I would set them loose onto the world, and they could you know, and they would go ahead and create the processes and the outreach that they feel would go ahead and bring bring and, the leads in. And you've done this in yes. Zim- at Zimbet. So yes. so what's your sales structure look like? What our sales structure looks like if we have we have an outbound sales structure where myself and a few others create content, we create it's basically demand generation. And and by creating the demand, we bring people into certain uh, uh, media avenues, whether it be our website, whether it be our Twitter feed, whether it be our LinkedIn, they we we bring people in that way. Once they connect with us on a content basis, they like something I post, they retweet something, retweet multiple, there's multiple avenues to do that. We start having a conversation with them. Once the conversation has passed the point where they say, well, yes, it's Zinbit is something that I'd be, I think I could use it. There's something interesting about it that I'm looking at, you know, that I'm willing to look at the sales process for us 
stops. It shuts down. Now we we go into what what I really like to talk about now, which is the customer experience. They're 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 not handed off, but they're transferred over to the customer experience engine we built here. And these they're all they're not SDR reps. They're more like concierges. And these concierges walk them through the proof process, the trial process, the demo process, whatever that proof source the client needs, and then walks them through a process and makes it very easy for them to buy. Now there's a couple caveats here. We have. Uh, you know, we're we're an inexpensive solution on a per user basis. We are software as a service, so so there's some caveats there why that model may be more conducive to what I'm doing. But that's kind of the structured model that we've that 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 we've created, and we've uh, and we've been doing and we've we've been growing steadily over the last two years. Okay, so just make sure I understand. So instead mm-hmm. of having your SDRs doing your outreach, mm-hmm. or your least experienced people doing doing outreach, your entry level, is you've got a more uh, strata of more senior people. Yes, that are doing some form of proactive outreach, but they're also responding some to inbound interest as well. Yes. Okay, and so they will work with the prospect through the education phase. We'll say. Until such time as the prospect says, hey, I'd love to see a demo. Yes. And then they hand that off to your... Customer experience team. Customer experience team, who then says, okay, we're going to shepherd you through, as you said, the proof the proof phase mm-hmm. of this. And interesting. So what do your customers say about that? Well, our customers say, you know, we like this so much. As a SaaS uh, customer, can we do a three-year deal with you as opposed to a one-year subscription with you? I mean, they they are incredible. Number one, they love the fact that it's not uh, it's not the heavy push on the front end for you know for the close for the sale. They they love the fact that they're given the ability to understand and be educated about the solution and pr- get provided insight and all those things we're talking about. But then they're but then they're but then they're provided a team that is there to help them um, with with uh, you know how could you say the uh, the uh, the the knobs and the dials of actually making the proof source work for them. And there's not a heavy pitch there. There's not a big, you know, not, not every conversation ends in a value proposition or a, uh, or a, or a, or a discount conversation. So what do you call the people that that do the front end? uh, People that call it the salespeople. All right. Salespeople. So salesperson has no involvement then once it's handed off. No, no. In, Unless it gets because of the way our deals, unless it has to go back to the process of uh, of information. If more team members are brought in, if there's an if there's a, a many of our clients uh, because we're built upon Salesforce have multiple divisions working um, uh, working in their CRM. So so we may bring over a large organization and the, we bring over the sales organization and they work with us for about six months and then someone over there because we internally. We've created a referral process, uh, not only for external customers but for internal customers, where where they come back in six months and say, "Well, you know, this has been working great in sales. I want to make a presentation to our service team, or I want to make a presentation to our customer success team about why they should be using Zinbit." And then that then is thrown back over to the transom because now we're back in the informational and the persuasion and that type of conversation. And then once that's done, we go ahead then and and again manage the process very 
methodically through a uh, through a trial slash demo process where they're able to go ahead and kick the tires and light the fires and 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 what we found is that when we work that process when we've tuned the process specifically toward the large enterprise customer not only do our close rates go up but the links of the uh, the the um, the uh, the links of the subscriptions we have go past uh, 12 months uh, uh, into the multi-year deals. And then number three or C or letter C or wherever I am is that what we have there is we have the ability then for internal and external referrals, which really is when it comes down to, I think, SaaS and the future of how people sell it is the uh, is the holy grail. Because I think that, uh, I think that, uh, you know, we've all had referrals, you know, in whatever we're selling, whether it be copiers or, or real estate or whatever it is. Um, we know when we get a referral from a satisfied customer, what that means to our pipeline and to our forecast. So by building an engine that, that naturally that's the outcome, um, we found, uh, we found a great deal of success. Okay, so in one thing you've written, then just sort of follow maybe the last sort of question on this process part, is is you'd written somewhere that the telephone's dead for salespeople. So so what did you mean by that? I think it's dead for well, first off, I think it's I think that I think cold outreach, whether it be uh, telephone, phone, um, uh, snail mail, uh, knocking on doors, I think I think that's dead. I think the ability to pick up the phone and to figure out when this C level or this C level of the problem or whoever is going to be on the phone, some people call it, you know, your dream customer or whatever, getting that person on the phone or getting that person to read my email, that's going to be the thing that opens the door to my process. I think that's, I think that's dead. And I think it's dead because the technology exists now where I don't have to answer the phone and I don't have to read your email. I don't have to do any of those things. And, and, you know, and we've noticed over the past couple of years, I know when I started knocking on doors and making phone calls, um, you, you know, 50, 50% of the doors would be, you know, the knocks would be answered. 50% of the calls would be answered. They wouldn't go straight to voicemail. Now it's, you know, it's one in 20, one in 30 that you actually get a live person either on the phone or you're actually able to walk into a business and talk to someone. So what's the alternative and, to... So what what do you recommend? What's your team do? What do your salespeople do if they're not using the the phone? I yeah, mm-hmm. we all know the stats. The phone is as you just said, it's it's more problematic than ever. Right. So so what's the alternative? What should companies be doing? Well, that's a really good question. So it depends upon what widget you sell. I mean, it, it, you know, for us, and again, this is you know building it in a SaaS model where we are built upon a platform, we interact with people that are already engaged in the platform. Our platform is Salesforce. So we so so we immerse ourselves in the Salesforce communities. Every major Salesforce user group across the country, we've been in we 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 are in contact with both electronically and uh, and physically. We fly out all over the country to Salesforce user group events, which mm-hmm. aren't paid for by Salesforce, but they're run by the local user groups. And we not only make appearances, we provide insight that has nothing to do with our widget, whatever we sell, that we, that, that we go you know, above and beyond. We do the research. We go ahead and provide uh, best, uh, um, best practices in order to help our core customer, which is a CRM administrator, on how to effectively do their job um, the best way they can. 
and 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 by engaging in those communities uh, as a content as an insight provider, mm-hmm. we found a great you know our the level of our leads number one is is drastically improved, but number two, the 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 level of our referral opportunities, even for people that aren't at this point interested, or maybe they're using a competitor, maybe they're contractually obligated to do something else. We've had people where we've, you know, I've been in, you know, at Lake Tahoe at the uh, Salesforce user group, and we did a, um, we did a presentation there uh, called Houdini Administrator, how to be invisible to your salesperson and how to get your salesperson to love Salesforce, right? And by providing that to directly to an audience of, of Salesforce administrators, we had people there who said, you know, I'm not, I can't can't do anything right now. I don't have any budget. I don't have anything else. But here's a person I know in Texas because the Salesforce community, they know each other. They have a they have a huge user community. Now, so how it sounds th- like what you've done though, to I mean, it's hard to know the full extent without knowing your entire mix is that is that you've personalized your lead gen in a way that that most companies don't. I mean, you're not just saying, "Hey, it's pure content. We're going to publish pieces and so on." But we're right. we're being really proactive to go out and actually meet people, not just yes. send them articles and post articles yep. on a blog. We're going out and meeting people that are influencers within the community that we serve. No, and I yeah, and I I think you're yes, I think that's exactly what we're doing, and I think even though it's really good for our model, which is built upon the platform, I think there's lessons to be learned uh, in whatever product or service that you're out there providing. Let's case in point, I'm dealing with a customer right now who is a um, legal services provider. They are a provider of discovery services mm-hmm. to law firms across mm-hmm. the country. Sure. Working with them, understanding one of their models is providing again in-person seminars in local cities for law firm administrators to come in and to learn about what's going on in the discovery world. What Not only the technology, which, which is what they're selling, but also uh, the best practices, the legal ramifications, the rule changes, the, uh, the, you know, all of those things that happen, they spend the time understanding and realizing that. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, when webinars first came into being or, or, or that kind of communication first came into being as very product focused, it was very, you could always expect the end of the webinar to be um, a 15 minute uh, pitch upon why your solution is going, is going to work. Our content and the content that we see working out there the best, at the end of the presentation, if I don't have people asking me, what do you sell? This is great. I love it. I'm going to use it. I've recorded it. I'm going to share it with everybody. But I still don't know what you sell and what and what are you getting out of this? Then I re- then I haven't done my job because I think that is the way to get people actively interested in what you're doing. It's almost like the anti pitch. It's uh, and if you think of a pitch being the elevator pitch when you're in the elevator and you pitch them for 30 seconds, um, the reverse of that would be to have an actual conversation with a person in that elevator. And at the 11th floor, when that door is open, that person turned to you and say, you know, this has been a really great elevator ride. What do you do, by the way? You know, where do you work? Well, you know what, you know, having, mm-hmm. you know, actively reaching out and having that connection. Sure. So, all right. So next question then. So be like this. So you've, you've sort of turned the model on its head a little bit, inverted the pyramid, let's say. Um, in terms of a typical sales structure, at least in a SaaS environment. Mm-hmm. And 
So you've also then written extensively, then sort of a logical outgrowth of that, is that, hey, commission plans are bad the way that yes. they're typically used. So you had a multi-part article about that on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, you look at sort of your structure and say, okay, yeah, you'd, you'd want to compensate people differently. So let's just start sort of the big, the big topic. I mean, commission plans, I know, you know, you generate a lot of comment when you wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume. Yes. You, I presume you haven't changed your mind. No, no, and I and and to answer your no on those comments, I am still not a Marxist. I, that's although I was accused that or there of being a Marxist, but uh, no, that, for commission plans, uh, well, I'll just give you a for instance of what we do internally. We have our employees, whether they be developers or uh, customer concierges or salespeople, are paid a a a very aggressively competitive uh, base salary. But they're also paid a bonus upon revenue, a revenue bonus, a quarterly revenue bonus. And it is and it is based upon the entire organization's revenue. So customer success has skin in the game when it comes to the sales process mm-hmm. and the prospecting process. Sure. Prospectors have skin in the game to make sure that they're moving people through the pipeline that are actual customers, that are at people that are really interested and are not just throwing flotsam over the transom in order to go ahead and make a particular number. Actually qualified. So you're, what you're saying is in your model, and unlike, so again, the inversion of regular right. SaaS model where SDRs, quote-unquote, qualify prospects. I mean, they qualify them to a degree, only to right. a degree they might be qualified to have a demo, but, but you're actually doing actual qualification with your sales team. Yes. Okay. Yes. Actually, yes. And we have, we have had, there's, you know, your qualification process is working well when at the end of the initial meeting, you tell a customer or a prospect, I don't think you're ready for us yet. Or you haven't, because I, I, I think that's a sign of a good qualification process because the point of qualification is not to qualify people in. It's to go ahead and qualify people out mm-hmm. because all of us within sales, we don't want to, we've all had that conversation, you know, in our past where we've, where we've, you know, we, we've wasted the conversation on the wrong person, quote unquote, or the, you know, I'm doing air quotes while we're talking, but that raw, the person that wasn't the decision maker or the people weren't ready, um, uh, or it wasn't a fit. So, so at the very beginning by qualifying those people out and then keeping them in some type of nurture, uh, marketing communication where they say, you know, when you are ready for us, when you have met that, met that level, we, you know, we definitely like to talk to you, but here are some things you can do in the interim in order to get ready. Um, we do have that conversation. We have that conversation with clients and it's interesting and it's, and it's something invariably they're ones to say, well, what do I need to do to get ready? Or, or, or what's the metric you're looking at that you're telling me that you're, that we're not ready for us. And, and we're very transparent in that. Well, you know, you, you know, you, you haven't done this with the application yet, or you haven't instituted this level of adoption yet, or you haven't, um, uh, you haven't incorporated it as this part. And here are ways you can do that, and we can assist in that to, you know, to help you do that. Here's some content. Here's some best practices. Mm-hmm. But you definitely have to get, you know, you have to get ready. And and I think in the current model with SDRs, I think you're exactly right. And again, I don't blame the SDRs. Don't I don't want anyone to say that you know there's that's it, it, it is a hard job out there Absolutely. trying to talk to people. Absolutely. 
and uh, and the numbers show it, and the numbers show you know SDRs they 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 you know if it, it, you know it's a high stress job, sure. it's a job there, there's a lot of turnover, and it's because uh, it's it's a lot of effort for sometimes very very little reward. Okay, so um, um, so that's going to lead to two questions right. I had. So one is yeah, specifically that one. How's your turnover? Mm-hmm. And then the second one is really perception of the team in terms of. You know, the collective, the feeling of being in it together. You know, do you have you mm-hmm. really have you really got that? Have people really bought into it? So let's start with the first one. Good question. So we have we have had in the last two years we've had one um, one turn. You know, of all, of the people we've added, and we've been increasingly adding people as we go through two years. We've had one person um, uh, 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 turnover basically. So percentage wise, one out of how many? One out of twenty. Okay. All right. Wow. So so. And, and, but, but I will tell you our hiring process and our, and again, that's the second part of it. The process that we engage in, we're definitely, the very first thing we look at is, do we have the right people? And if we have the right people, if we have the people, if we're talking to the right person, if this is the person who gets it, quote unquote, this is a person who understands it, who, who understands what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. It's almost to the sense that the position can be created for that level of person. I'd much rather have a team of people that are the right people and try to figure out the right places than have all of the right places and and trying to stick people in those right places. Yeah. Uh, be, and and I and I think that's pretty standard kind of thought. But in the practice of well, it, well, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I disagree with that. I, mean, I think that. <laughs> I think that it's unusual for people. I forget what the quote was I saw recently, but saying, you know, had a choice between skills and character. You need both, but if I couldn't get one, I'd take character before skill. And that's sort of what you're talking about, right? Is is you want to find the fit for the people in your organization rather than hiring somebody because they've got some unique skill set that even though they could be objectionable as a person. No, and well, and, and and here's and here's the uh, here's here's the philosophy around that. We talk about our organization, and 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 you know when you read that multi uh, uh, post thing I, I I did you know on LinkedIn about about uh, about commissions, um, then none of that works if if that person at the very beginning doesn't you know doesn't understand that and doesn't and doesn't believe in what you believe in that aspect if you're trying to take a person who is who has been living you know who has who has been a commission based salesperson for a great number of years and then forcibly change their level of compensation to a different model um, you know, you're, you know, that's going to be a problem. You're going to, you're going to have a problem if you, if you bring people on and their first reaction to something outside their wheelhouse is, well, that's not my job or, or that's part of John's job, or I don't know if I, how I could help with this because, uh, because it's not something that I do. Hopefully they've self-selected during the interview process because you've made that clear. Well, and that, and that's also, and that also is part of, we do, you know, we do a very, um, a very interesting way of, of bringing people on through the process. A lot of it is referral. A lot of it is, uh, you know, when we do, we, we, we brought two people on uh, very, very recently and it was a much longer process. We did, uh, again, we did use a, uh, a sales recruiter to, to help bring, bring us candidates. But what we asked of, what we were looking for in the candidates were a little bit different than what would normally be looked. And that's because the SDR quote unquote, the SDR position was, it was, uh, was a little bit different. We weren't interested in people that that would you know that would 
uh, be you know we weren't interested in people that were interested in telling us how many uh, uh, how many meetings they booked for their account manager right. yesterday. All right. So last question that we have time for here. Oh, sure. Well, uh, <laughs> a lot more, a lot more we could talk about. So is so what are the metrics then that you use to evaluate your team members? The, uh, okay, well, that's a, that's a very good question because some of them are hard metrics and some of them are uh, some of them are soft metrics. So let's just start with your salespeople and then we'll talk to your, about your concierges. So salespeople, you know, they're just bringing people up to the point of of being ready for a trial or demo. So what's what's right. their key metrics? Their key metric is I don't even call it a SQL. The SQL conversion to actual sale. The ability when they when they bring something in, when they bring a lead in, and you take a look at what they're doing, and how that converts for, to an actual sale, that's that's the main metric that we're interested in. So okay. When, so you're you're terming an SQL when they hand it off to the the uh, customer experience team. Yes. Yes. Okay. Before okay. that, it's all MQL. Yeah. It's before that, it's all. M- but okay. when the actual salesperson is in, is interacting with it, it is an SQL, and that conversion rate is incredibly important. Okay, and then for your customer experience team, what's what metrics are they held accountable for? Two metrics. The first is the the other half of that metric, which is the uh, SQL to conversion, which which they're all because they're also marked on. You know, if you if 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 you have ten SQLs and you're only converting two of them, we identify and we look at through you know through our management and uh, and the coaching of the reps. Uh, and the coaching of the concierges, what's going on? You know, what's the reason we're having this issue? Is it, you know, is it, is it garbage in, garbage out? Is it good stuff coming in and we don't know what we're doing? You know, that kind of metric. And then the second metric is upsell and uh, referral. The second metric is upsell and referral because in, at the end of the day, the concierge is, you know, they're, you know, they're responsible. Um, they're responsible for the, li- they will be responsible eventually for the lion's share of the revenue from that particular client because they're the, they're, they're the interaction point from that point forward. Oh, so, um, including during the implementation phase. So, they're basically right. customer success as well. Exactly. Exactly. We Got call it, it okay. yeah, we call it CX, but it, but it, but the reason, but they are definitely the, the, uh, uh, the linchpin for customer success. So, they're, so, yeah, I was going to say, so, so one of the, the, uh, <laughs> Ironies, to some degree, is then, and this is very different from the traditional SaaS model, is that your quote-unquote closers are actually your customer experience team. Well, it, well, that's exactly because because when you think of it, listen, every good sales book I've ever read has told me that I shouldn't have to ask for the deal if I've done everything up to the point the right way, right? Everybody from I don't know whether whether it's Zig Ziglar to to, to Mike Bosworth to to Neil to uh, to uh, to um, to spin selling, they're they're all like you know if you have done everything you need to do up to that point, there shouldn't be a point where you have to ask for the sale. It should be just a natural progression. Well, the natural progression of that is that you know if you go that one step further is that you shouldn't even have to have a salesperson at the end of that process because the natural progression of the interaction from the point of the customer experience from the concierge is that of course the proof source is there your experience with the organization has been such that it is in our benefit to do business with you ergo sign the contract yeah well i mean as i like to say and i've in my books is that Salesperson's never in the room when the customer makes the decision. Correct. So, so much for the closer. All right. <laughs> Derek, good stuff. Uh, 
tell folks how they can learn a little bit more about you and Zinbit and connect with you. Well, fantastic. Well, <clears throat> uh, Zinbit is, uh, you can always take a look at us. We are, uh, we're built upon the Salesforce platform. You can find us at uh, www.zinbit.com. That's uh, Z- Z-Y-N. Z-Y-N-B-I-T. That's Z-Y-N-B-I-T. Uh, also, uh, uh, you know, you can find me as well. I have a LinkedIn profile, Derek Wazinski, W-Y-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. You can find me there. I also am on Twitter at, uh, at Real Sales Advice, one word, Real Sales Advice. Uh, you can find me there with my uh, uh, my Twitter feed. And then I do have um, uh, just a collection of all the blog posts and some of the cartoons that I do, uh, the uh, 7 a.m. sales meeting cartoon I do uh, on a weekly basis can all be found at realsalesadvice.com. And that's just kind of a clearinghouse for all the content that I do that people can see. And yeah, people should go there. Derek is prolific. So, <laughs> and yeah, to, to his credit, and what I like to see is that... Uh, you know, it's different. You know, somebody's thinking about something in a different light and different perspective than just, you know, follow the follow the steps as most people seem to be doing these days. So, well, good. Derek, thank you. And uh, we'll have you back on the show again. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Andy. It was a pleasure. All right. Friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Make sure you come back. Join me again for the next great episode of Accelerate. Till then, if you get a chance, appreciate it. If you go to iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, and leave us a review and subscribe. Appreciate hearing from you, what we can do to make this a better experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 